You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan Lavoy. I'm the host of this show. Today, I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me. Again, coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Another shortened edition of Sports Call today. More Borgard High School basketball coming up around 5 o'clock or so. So we'll be getting off the air just after 445 Today, and a lot to do in that time period. We're going to recap the SEC Big 12 Challenge, including Auburn's loss at West Virginia on Saturday. We're going to recap the NFC and AFC Championship games, which took place on Sunday. We'll have birthdays in sports, nightly TV guide, and best and worst of the weekend a little bit later on in the show today. So a lot to talk about fresh off another weekend in sports. Again, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here today. Start with you, Tom. I hope you're doing well today, sir. Oh, yeah, doing great. Uh, It was a a fun weekend for me. Went down to Mobile, Alabama to uh, enjoy a Mardi Gras ball that we go to uh, every year down there, the La Luna Cervantes uh, ball. And uh, got to spend, you know, Friday just – Friday making the trip, Saturday – knocking around mobile getting to do see some of the historic areas of mobile that are very cool and then doing the ball and so yeah good weekend uh good weekend for me bad weekend for basketball fans if you're in the state of alabama right it was a uh, a rough one for uh, auburn and for alabama which has been rare this year uh, we'll talk about uh, both of those in just a moment. And then Cam Berry also on the show cam hope you're doing well yeah doing great yeah a tough uh yeah you're right tough weekend for Alabama basketball uh tom but a good weekend for championship weekend i yeah. thought outside of you know i mean the san francisco and um eagles game wasn't too too great through do some injuries but the kansas city and cincinnati game was a good one to watch and uh now for the first time in nfl history we have two black quarterbacks being represented in the super bowl i think that's pretty cool so yeah it was a good weekend yeah, and we will uh, we get into those conference championship games in uh, just a little bit. We will start uh, with the SEC and Auburn this past weekend, the final rendition of the SEC and Big 12 Challenge. And Auburn unsuccessful in their game, as many of the SEC teams were. The SEC going just 3-7 and seven in uh, the, the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Not entirely uh, without uh, – not, not too surprising – I would say, because the Big 12 has been an excellent conference, but uh, still some of the results individually can be surprising. In the case of Auburn, another very slow start, down 45-29 at the half. It led to maybe Auburn's best offensive half of the season in the second half when they scored 48, 
but it was just not enough as Eric Stevenson hit one too many clutch shots. Uh, overall impressions, guys, of, of this game, and as Auburn <clears throat> just hangs into a top 25 spot, so 32nd consecutive week ranked as they hold on to the number 25 ranking. Yeah. Uh, the, my, my biggest takeaway is, I mean, Auburn's guard play has just got to get better. Uh, I I get that they made the great comeback, you know, down by as much as 16 and got it cut to one numerous times and had chances. But, you know, ultimately the defense kind of failed them where they weren't able to get a stop and, and West Virginia was able to get a three. But but overall, just the, the guard play is just – it's it's not there. Um, and, and that's and that's hurting Auburn. And so that that's the other big – that's one thing. And then uh, – I. Man, has it been three in a row? Has it been three games in a row at least now that Auburn has allowed a player to go for over thirty on them? Uh, uh, I know it's two. I don't think they did. did, it, the, did the South Carolina did a uh, dude. Oh, South, South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Gigi Jackson, Jackson did half yes. thirty. Yes. Yeah. So, so they I, at least three in a row they've had a guy go for over thirty on them. Right. And so that I mean that's not good. You I mean <laughs> you don't ever when you when you're priding yourself on defense and you know for several games now in a row you've allowed a guy to get get over 30 on you uh they've just they've got to improve and uh it's going to keep getting tougher and that's the thing with this uh auburn schedule is uh that was a winnable game for auburn at west virginia um coming off of just an absolute beat down uh at the hands of texas a&m this was a chance to rebound get a good uh quadrant one road win they weren't able to do it and it just gonna it's gonna keep getting tougher for Auburn. So, uh, this this little bump in the road is kind of why I've been hesitant, even with the win streak that was going on, and you know people were kind of getting excited. I was still a little bit hesitant to just full jump on board because I knew that the the competition they were playing was a lot less than what they were than what Auburn is, and I saw what was in front of them, and also saw some of the struggles even against some of the lesser competition. And now it's all kind of coming to a head, but it it's not a lost season by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Auburn can improve. I, I think they can still pick up some of these wins, um, especially at home. It's discouraging that, that you lost your home win streak and, and just got your doors blown off by Texas A&M in front of your home crowd. That doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies with the other tough teams coming into Neville Arena because now it's shown that Auburn can be beat at home and be – beat really bad at home but it's still also neville arena you're gonna have some games here that are, are winnable you got alabama coming here you got tennessee coming here hey, is that correct got uh, tennessee yes, twice yeah. yes yeah um i think that one's the very last game of the very season. last game yep. yes I, you know anytime auburn is at home i i'm gonna give auburn a chance to win i don't care who it's against uh but uh they're just they've got to improve and I'm sitting here looking at this box. This is the first chance I've had to really look at the box score from uh, the West Virginia game. Uh, I mean, Wendell Green's got to do better. Uh, like I talked about with the guard play. I mean, two of ten, two of ten from the field, one of five from three. You you have to get more production from him on the scoring side, and he only had five assists. So, I, I mean, that's that's just that's not a good line for him at all. He was four of four from free throws. Good for him on that. But two of ten from the field, one of five from from the uh, three, and he only had five assists. So you, you've got to get more production from your point. Uh, it's just as simple as that. Uh, you you had some good games here. You know, Jalen Williams with eighteen, Janai Broom, 
still playing well uh, with 15 points, uh, you know, and 13 from uh, Alan Flanagan. But, and, uh, oh, and 10 from KD. I didn't realize KD had 10. Yeah. Now sitting he, here looking he, at this. Coming along, he had a solid four, game. Four of, nine, four of nine from the field. He had a solid second half. Yeah. So, yeah, big, big improvements are going to be needed for this team moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but you're right, they did show some promise. That second half, I agree with you, Ryan, was probably their best offensive second half that um, we've seen. Um, I mean, exploited for 48 points. That's that's really good. You want to be able to build off that, I feel like. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I, just, I keep saying this over and over, and I think I'll just continue to beat this drum, honestly. Run the offense through through Jalen Williams. I think his his shot is the most consistent. His scoring right now has been the most consistent. He's been the most efficient um, in in scoring on the entire team. I mean that you. I was talking to Ryan about this earlier. That to that push shot that he that he gets when he gets into the paint. That push little jump jump shot is an automatic two now every time. So you might as well just run it that way and let the defense suck in and then. Then you can be able to create a little bit more. It opens up a lot more for the other guys. It makes life a little bit easier. And Auburn ran really smoothly in that second half. I mean, they they were hitting shots timely. They were able to climb back into the game um, when it when it was absolutely necessary. I think Trey Donaldson had an underrated, uh, underratedly solid game. Uh, hit timely threes. Didn't turn the ball over. Made smart decisions um, in that in that reserve. Um, point guard role and you're right uh, Wendell just just has to be better I mean you know it, I, I mean I don't really mind the five assists I actually think that's pretty solid um, I mean he only averages about four four ish uh, so I'll take that. That's right around. Yeah, that's pretty normal for yeah. a college and then, point guard. And then the the nine points though. That I mean, we we don't really see him as uh, obviously we know he can pass the ball very well, um, but we see him as a scorer. We need him to be a scorer. That's that's kind of Auburn's thing is we need Wendell to be a a scorer. Um, I mean, as well as a facilitator in the point guard role, but uh, that scoring that he does is something that Auburn absolutely needs. Thankfully, you know. Auburn was able to kind of get that production from others. Um, you know, Flanagan did have a good game. KD came along in the second half and had a very solid second half. Um, and I think that was part of the reason he brought that energy. And I think that's part of the reason Auburn was able to really climb back into this game. Uh, had some really good defensive steals, uh, three steals in the game. So that, I mean, he played well. Uh, so you just kind of need to need to build off of that. Um, I, I think Ryan and I also had this conversation. I think... Auburn needs to play more zone. Um, I, I think this man man defense is just not going to work. The guards are unfortunately just too small right. against these bigger guards to to really guard them face up. I mean, Stevenson was just shooting over Wendell Green Jr. Like he wasn't even there. I mean, it was just so easy for him to get the three. Um, and, it, I mean, that's just kind of how it was. You got in. So I think if you're just going to run the zone, I think you should probably put Zepp or Alan Flanagan, honestly, on the other team's best player. If you're going to run it like that, you got to be able to start disguising uh, Wendell on defense. I mean, he plays good defense. He's very tenacious. He's active with his hands, and I do appreciate that, especially from a smaller guard. But he's just he's just small. That yeah. at the end of the day, you, and so you got to be able to start disguising that. And they kind of were doing that. They were switching off, um, switching off of him really quickly, uh, getting him off of Stevenson. 
um, at times in the second half, and I think that really attributed to it to how well, I mean, Zepp played very well on defense, as did Flanagan when he was matched up against Stevenson. So you kind of got to figure out things like that. And, and uh, if you're going to play man, you got to be able to, to, to disguise Wendell right. on defense. My, my, thing with, <clears throat> my thing with the five assists, that, yeah, I mean, I get that five assists is fine, but if you're not going to be a scorer, if you're only be a passer, gonna, if you're only yeah, if you're only going to go two of ten from the field and you're not contributing like that in the scoring outside of the at the free throw line, then you better have more than just five assists because Janai Broom had five assists. So well, that means they're running their offense yeah, through different yeah, players though. No, I, no, I no 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 I I get that, but I'm just saying though I would expect Wendell Green to have more than five assists. I would I would Wendell Green to me is the type that I would almost rather see in double digit assists like flirting with a double double with right with but, but multiple Tom also assists that's not because, college basketball I, I know but i'm just but he's, he's if you're not helping out uh, like i said if you're if you're not getting it from the field then you got to well, be doing something because I, just, I see what you're saying because just to illustrate my point here is the leader in assist in the sec is severe wheeler right he averages five and a half assists a game wendell right. is fourth at 4.3 right so that's I mean again five assists is not what I had a problem with it I would look at assist to turnover ratio ratio or that sort of thing or just the fact that you were two of ten because obviously there was an aggressiveness there that that would answer four turnovers so right five assists to four turnovers right and that's why I said the assist to turnover ratio because if you're not you know if you have four or five assists but you don't have any turnovers then I think that then you can't play a whole lot better than that but um I, I think that the, the issue here was just more so Eric Stevenson and yeah. having a 30-point game hitting, I think, six threes, something like seven. that, seven threes. Um, the, the timeliness of those threes in the second half, because, again, Auburn as a whole, they, they kind of duplicated their second half defensive performance, in my opinion, uh, against West Virginia that they did with, with Texas A&M when they had a rough first half, allowed mid-30s in the second half, and again, s- several of those are free throws at the end of the game, four or five of those at least. And, and really what West Virginia had going in the second half was not a whole lot of anything unless it was an Eric Stevenson play. And, and that goes into the, the problem of what you mentioned, Tom, of, of, of three straight 30-point outings from other teams. Uh, there was a big outing from again. I forget the Memphis player Cam that uh, that had twenty seven. Oh, Kendrick Davis. Kendrick Davis that had twenty something uh, in, in Atlanta. And this has been a reoccurring theme with the team is that despite being a pretty good defense, they are susceptible to individual uh, greatness from other players. And again, I just thought a lot of that was matchup because it would continue to be Wendell Green Jr. guarding Eric Stevenson. Stevenson's a six three or six four guard. That's five inches. That he's got on on a on Wendell Green Jr. You know you're not very bothered by by defense, even if it's pretty close in proximity. When you got five inches to lift there, and Eric Stevenson is a guy that Auburn wanted in the transfer portal. He he had Auburn on the list. He ultimately went to West Virginia. If that name is ringing a bell, or if you forgot, uh, that's the kid that was at South Carolina last year that got a little chippy with the with the Auburn student section last year. And, and Auburn recruited Stevenson in the portal. They really wanted him uh, to come to Auburn, and Auburn could have really used, obviously, seeing what Stevenson did. Uh, it makes that obvious, but they could have used a guy with a little bit more size at the guard position that can go and get his own shot the way Stevenson is capable of. 
I, I think that with this team, um, the, the month of February, it, it really I can add the rest of the season because of the two games in March are, are just going to be very difficult for this team. They, they're, they're going to have some games where they're, they're just simply not going to be favored, uh, favored in, despite being one of three teams ranked in the conference right now. You look at this schedule going forward. Uh, Georgia, we were talking about this off air, <clears throat> Georgia is probably the third easiest game Auburn has the rest of the year. Auburn has already lost to Georgia once this year. Yeah. Now, granted, on the road, and things are very different home on the road, but this is a team that's obviously capable of, of, of beating Auburn, already has done it, and that's the third easiest game the rest of the, of the season. You got at Vanderbilt, which I would agree is the second easiest, although it is a road game, and then the, obviously the easiest would be hosting Ole Miss. And so everything else is losable. Uh, you know, you, you host Missouri. You like that you're at home there. But uh, Missouri is very capable and a very efficient offensive team. Be interesting to see how Auburn would guard them. Obviously, two versus Bama and Tennessee. Those are going to be difficult no matter where those are played. You are at Texas A&M, a team that obviously came in the Neville Arena and thumped Auburn pretty good. And you go to Kentucky, which is always going to be tough. And now that Kentucky, that their obituary has not been signed yet, that they have uh, played much better basketball the last two weeks, that again goes back to being Rupp Arena, playing Kentucky. Uh, not easy. So there are a lot of more difficult games uh, ahead for this team. And so that I'm not looking forward too much, although I just – basically spout off the entire entire schedule there uh that makes georgia very big on yeah. wednesday because that's just not one auburn can lose and if they do lose to georgia then we start to really go back down the rabbit hole of, of what's going to happen to this team but i i do think that that there are worrying trends there with the with the individual scoring of an opponent player and you know it, it offense you want to just bottle up that second half somehow and you know that's not going to happen with this team but that second half was like the best version of this Auburn offense which was actually very good but for that to work they need KD Johnson back because they 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 got something out of him in the second half that yep. I, I had not seen Quite frankly, all season long, agreed. Uh, he's shooting around thirty-four percent from the field for the season, twenty-seven or twenty-eight percent from three. I mean, he's just not been any good. But in that second half, he actually made a positive impact. Uh, you saw Jalen Williams continue to be very aggressive. Janai Broom did not score in the first half. All those fifteen points from the second half—that was an awesome half from him. Uh, Alan Flanagan was was decent. Uh, you know, again, the the one player you'd point to and not having a good game was Wendell Green Jr. But by the way, in college, one player is going to have a bad game. Even out of those four that are playing yep. better, we've had some games over this last six game stretch where Broom has not played as well, or games where Jalen Williams was not very aggressive. So uh, that is going to happen. Seventy seven points is right in that area where I thought that score would be. We talked about West Virginia averaging seventy eight a game. I really point to the defense on this one is just not figuring out a way to get two or three stops on Eric Stevenson in particular uh, when they had to have him because they cut this game to one point a couple different times. They missed a couple free throws when they had chances to tie. Um, and, but but the reality is giving up 80 points for this Auburn team, they know that's just not going to be good enough, not right. this year, not most years, but certainly not this year. And and in reality, that's, that's what ended up uh, getting them there. Let's go ahead and take our first break of the show today when we come back we're going to go to our auburn bank phone line for the first time also birthdays and sports coming up 
in just a little bit. Again, a shortened edition of Sports Call getting off the air at 5 o'clock for Borgard High School basketball. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after the break. Another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here. In a shortened edition of the show. Be off air around 5 o'clock today. So with that in mind, let's uh, let's go right to the Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins the show. James, how are you doing? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about the Auburn men's uh, basketball schedule that's going to be coming uh, up in uh, February. Yes, uh, going to be a very tough road in February. A lot of big games. Yes, as well, because I think with Auburn and Georgia, I mean, I could see that game in favor of Georgia actually playing. I think we play Wednesday, if I'm correct on that. Yes, Wednesday night inside of Neville Arena. So I think with that, um, I think with that game, I think with Janiah Broome, I'm just looking at him as well because I know a lot of NBA scouts are actually looking at him. So that's why I'm looking at uh, Janiah Broome and seeing where he's going to be on the on the NBA mock draft this year. Yeah, I know uh, Janai Broom uh, a little bit later in his development because he's been in school for a while. I, I'm not really sure of his pro po- prospects, but certainly having a a good career for Auburn here in this in this one season, and they're going to need him to keep being big down low. Yes, as well, because I mean, when we played uh, last week, I think we played against uh, who, who was our last game that we played against it was, last week? It was West Virginia on Saturday and, and Texas A&M on Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah, because on um, on Saturday I looked at some mistakes uh, with West Virginia. I mean, we 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 had a good chance of winning it, but we couldn't we couldn't not take it into the second half of that game as well against West Virginia. Yeah, they uh, they got close a couple different times, but just uh, just couldn't grab the lead, couldn't grab enough momentum there at the end, couldn't get the stop they needed. It was very close though. Yeah, so I I think with Auburn playing Georgia this Wednesday, I think this will this game will be in favor of Auburn winning this game at home as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think Auburn will be favored here. I, I even though Georgia did beat Auburn uh, in Athens, I, I do like Auburn's chances of a bounce back here. I think it'll be very important how Auburn starts in the game, but I still I still like the Tigers. Yes, as well, and then uh, for tonight, which is Monday night. Um, the ladies for Auburn, I think they play Florida tonight. They do. Uh, 6 o'clock in Neville Arena. Yeah, so I am going to be watching that game as well and seeing uh, some future WNBA players as well. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Auburn has won two straight in the women's game, so they're trying to trying to get things going. Yes, as well, because I know their schedule is pretty easy. 
um, with uh, with Coach Harris, and I think Coach Harris, she's really doing a really good job with those ladies and uh, working working out with them as well. And I hope we'll get a chance to take a bite out of Florida as well. <laughs> they, I see what you did there, James. They will certainly try and again try and ride this winning streak. And they started over in SEC play, but have won two in a row. Yes, as well, because I mean, we do need, um, we need to. I mean, on the women's side of the ball of Auburn, I think they need more wins, and I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna happen. We certainly hope so. They uh, they're trying to get momentum now that they're healthy, and we'll just have to see what happens. Yes, and then over the weekend, I was watching the uh, AFC and NFC championship games, and. And I thought that the Bengals were going to win it against Kansas City, but I guess Kansas City took that one, and they're punching. They already punched their ticket into the Super Bowl, which this Super Bowl, this coming up week in February, will be a historic one because I think with Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, they're going to be making Super Bowl history for the first time ever in Super Bowl uh, football history. Yep, the uh, first time two black quarterbacks will start the Super Bowl. Yep, that is history indeed. And, uh, of course, that will happen not this weekend but next weekend. And uh, we look forward to that matchup. Yes, as well, because uh, this weekend I'm actually uh, counting down the days to the Super Bowl. So uh, February the 8th, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be watching the NFL Honors. And then February the 9th, I'm going to be watching the flag football game and uh, seeing – uh, some little matchups as well. And then, um, you know, February the 10th, um, it's going to be an amazing thing. And February the 11th and 12th, I'm just going to be getting ready for the Super Bowl. Yep, that Super Bowl is taking place on February 12th this year, so just a few days before my birthday. So uh, it'll be interesting to uh, to watch that one, and it'll be the last NFL game of the year, which will be sad, but uh, it should be a big game. Yes, as well. And then when they actually close the book on the NFL, I mean, with the XFL coming right around the corner and the USFL coming in that same uh, on that same train, it, it's going to be it's going to be a really really good thing to see my new team that I'm a part of of the um, Arlington um, Rough Riders and seeing if we're going to win our preseason games as well. So you'll be getting into the XFL then and USFL. Yeah. Yes, as well. So this will for the XFL. This will be my first time this year, and for the USFL, this will be my second uh, time uh, this year of seeing the Birmingham Stallions as well. Yes, uh, year two of the USFL, and uh, obviously they played all season uh, in Birmingham last year. Birmingham ended up taking home the trophy. We'll see what happens this year. Yes, as well, and I would like to actually see the Birmingham Stallions play in person as well up there in Birmingham, Alabama as well. Yeah, they play in a very nice stadium, and uh, I hope they are well attended this year. It'll be interesting to see how other teams' uh, fans turn out for the, the other locations, other cities, but uh, we certainly hope that these uh, these smaller football leagues can do well. Yes, as well, and then with uh, the NBA uh playoff uh, all-star game is right around the corner it's going to be a really good all-star game for me and uh, seeing if uh, Luca is actually going to be able to play I'm not quite sure on the health um, that he has with his knee so I mean with his ankle so I'm not quite sure if he's gonna if he's gonna play or not in the all-star game uh, this coming up February as well 
Do you like that they're going to pick the teams on the court before the game? Um, well, yes, they actually, yes, I would love that as well because I've, uh, I've actually picked, uh, on the West division of the All-Star game. I actually picked, uh, who did I pick? I picked, I picked Walker Kessler, uh, Jabari Smith. Picking the Auburn and, guys. Mm-hmm. And, on the east side of the All-Star game, I picked T.J. Thor from uh, from from the uh, Charlotte Hornets. So I picked him, and I picked uh, you know some veteran guys that played in the All-Star game, like uh, Luca, LeBron, and Steph Curry. Those three. I got you over in the Western Conference. Yeah, we're. Definitely looking forward to that, and we'll uh, we'll. I, I personally think it's going to be fun that they're going to pick those teams on the court and uh, kind of like schoolyard style, and uh, should be interesting to watch. Yes, as well, and then right around the corner, um, I'm actually going to be watching Clash of uh, Champions in Los Angeles, and I'm seeing um, who's going to actually win it this year. Yep, uh, excited about that one for NASCAR, too. That one uh, coming this Sunday. So I guess that's uh, the big sporting event to, to watch before the Super Bowl, a week before the Super Bowl. So uh, it should be interesting to see that again in the L.A. Coliseum. Yes, as well. And then for Auburn football, I know um, there's going to be some great games I'm going to be attending this year in person. And I'm actually marking my calendar down for April 8th for the A-Day game, and it's going to be awesome and, um, you know, getting back out there. So you think you're going to go to the A-Day game? Yes, I am. I'm actually um, really, really excited to actually be going back to the A-Day game and uh, getting to see some of the new stars that are going to uh, come in. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone will be a little bit more excited for the A-Day game this time around <clears> with, with Hugh Freeze starting his Auburn tenure. Do you have any other final thoughts for us, James? Um, well, I actually do because with the NFL draft right around the corner, I do have some Monday trivia. All right, Monday trivia, okay. All right, Monday, January the 30th, here it is. The first Auburn player chosen in the 2020, in the 2021 NFL draft was Anthony Shorts. In what round did the Cleveland Browns pick Anthony Shorts in the 2021 NFL Draft? Uh, what, uh, I think it was the third round to the Cleveland Browns? Yes, yes, it was the number third pick for the Cleveland Browns. Awesome. Well, th- well, th- I guess uh, that's a good question there. Uh, Anthony Schwartz, I wish he could get on the field a little bit more with Cleveland, but uh, that's a good question. Yes, as well, and it's uh, it's been a really good thing to see Anthony Shorts and seeing all of the Auburn uh, players actually playing in the NFL as well. Absolutely. Well, you gave me a trivia question, James, so I guess uh, next time you call, we're going to have to give you some more trivia. Would you like to some trivia next time you call? Um. Yes, I sure would. Okay, do you have a particular topic in mind for next time? Um. I will have to say about Auburn University. Just about Auburn University. Okay, we can uh, we can set that up for you next time. All right, sounds good, and I'll talk to you all on uh, Tuesday. War Eagle. War Eagle, James. That is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next break of the show. More sports call coming up after this timeout. 
easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Again, we'll be getting off the air just before 5 o'clock today because we've got some more Borgard High School basketball, girls and boys basketball today. Coming on our airwaves against Lochapoca from Borgard High School. We'd love for you to, to attend the game, but if you can't, check it out right here on Tiger 95.9 coming up around 5 o'clock again today with Tim Sin and the guys. All right, time for something we do each and every day. It's time for Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Birthdays today. Jalen Rose turns 50 for NBA guard. Rose was born in Detroit and was McDonald's All-American in high school. He went to Michigan as part of the Fab Five and led the Wolverines to two NCAA tournament final appearances, declared for the draft in 1994, was taken 14th overall by the Nuggets, played 13 seasons in the NBA, and now works as an analyst for ESPN. Jalen Rose turns 50 today. Huh. Bucket. And I, 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 love, I like him as a media personality a lot. Um, I, I really liked uh, Jalen and Jacoby when they came on TV. You did mention that. That was one of your favorite shows. Yeah. On there. yeah. Uh, Davey Johnson turns 80, former MLB second baseman and manager. Johnson played one season at Texas A&M before signing with the Baltimore Orioles in 1962. Made his MLB debut in 1965 and played 13 seasons in the major leagues. Was most famous for his time with the Orioles, where he helped the team to four American League pennants and two World Series championships. He was a four-time All-Star and three-time Gold Glover. After playing, he became manager and led the Metropolitans to a World Series in 1986. Was two-time manager of the year. He is in the Orioles Hall of Fame as a player and the Mets Hall of Fame as a manager. Davey Johnson turns 80 today. An- Anias Williams turns 55, former NFL defensive back. Williams attended Southern University and didn't play football until his junior season. Became a starter during the season, played three seasons at Southern. He was an all-swack selection, won a D2 national championship, and broke the record for interceptions in a season with 11. He was drafted by the Cardinals in the third round of the 1991 draft and played 13 seasons in the NFL. He was three-time All-Pro, eight-time All-Star, and one-time NFL Interceptions leader. In 2014, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Ice Williams turns 55 today. And Jose Abreu turns 36. Actually, these were weekend birthdays, by the way. Celebrating a couple over the weekend since we had a few less today. So Williams turned 55 over the weekend. And Jose Abreu turned 36 over the weekend. 
first baseman for the Chicago White Sox. Brady was born in Cuba and played in the Cuban League, winning MVP in 2010. He was signed by the White Sox in 2013, debuted a year later, won American League Rookie of the Year in 2014, and still started for the White Sox. He is a three-time All-Star, two, three-time Silver Slugger, two-time RBI leader, and was an American League MVP. Jose Abreu turns 36 today. Again, Jalen Rose turns 50, Davey Johnson 80, Aeneas Williams 55, and Jose Abreu 36. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Good list right there. All right, I got a few minutes left in the hour. Let's start talking here a little bit about uh, these conference championship games from the past weekend. We can wrap up the first one really quick. Uh, Purdy got hurt. Purdy got hurt. win. They're in the Super Bowl. Well, well, Purdy got hurt, and then the other quarterback got hurt. Then Purdy had to come back in and play because their only other option was uh, Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey playing quarterback. Right. And that might have been a better option if we're, if we're being well, honest. Well, I mean, if you're going to basically run. If you're going to end up running every play. If you're, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you basically end up running like a wing tee. And they already <laughs> didn't have their backup running back, so yeah. that's kind of unfortunate. I bet you they really probably would have ran with that if they had Elijah Mitchell um, active because then he would have been able to just be the running back. Right. And then McCaffrey would have just kind of been. They wouldn't have the, had deep. I mean, they could have done Debo back there. Right. The, the, other thing though is like if you're not game planning at all for that which surely they were not no uh how many plays do you really have yeah, because I, not, miami man. correct me if i'm wrong they did that from start to finish of the game that they're famous for back in like 07 so they kind of knew that was going to happen and so in a sense you kind of know how to practice everything but right with all the weaponry they have Honestly, they have so many creative ways of getting Debo and McCaffrey the ball. Like that, that's Wildcats just not something that they probably had more than one or two plays on. Right. And I'm not using that as a big excuse. I mean, you're you're just completely screwed, is what I'm yeah, saying. When you're it's just an unfortunate, yeah, just an unfortunate situation for the 49ers. Um, I mean, they they fought all season for, you know, for to get to that point. Went through a lot. I mean, <laughs> you went through three quarterbacks, even got down to a fourth quarterback there and um it really took that fourth quarterback honestly to to see well i mean you got to have somebody that's somewhat decent back there to to uh move the ball up and down the field because i mean with josh johnson back there is that's his name right yes yes um i, I mean they they just didn't move the ball at all so it was just a struggle and um i hate that for them but uh i still think the eagles were the better team but i mean you know we can't spec you know we don't know we don't I, know i mean the, yeah. the 49ers defense did their thing i mean they really did they did as best as they could and they got some stops and and I mean, when your offense is just giving you nothing, the defense just eventually wears down. See the Auburn Tigers sometimes, <laughs> um, and that's just what it is. Well, yeah, and that's classic stuff there when the offense just continually goes three and out or doesn't move the ball, and the defense eventually wears yeah. down there. Um, you know, the best SEC example I feel like I can come up with is uh, is Florida's Will Muschamp teams who, yeah. like, first half would give up three or seven points, and then the second half, after their fourth three and out on offense, the dam would break. They'd give up three or four straight scores because, well, you know, the offense ain't scored more than seven today. Yeah. So uh, constantly punting. I mean, that, that kind of thing does happen. They had held in the game. They were tied at seven after the monster Christian McCaffrey run. Now Philly did go down. They scored a touchdown 
made it 14-7, had a long drive. But then they it was only like a minute and a half left. Josh Johnson and, and the 49ers had gotten a first down, so they started to go tempo. And then Johnson just drops the ball. Perfectly yeah. normal stat snap, yep. drops had it, it. Had his eyes could, up. Then, then could not go and get it off the ground. And then that leads to another Philly score. And at that point, the game's about over. You know, I, there's I still absolutely do not think San Francisco could have, could have won without Purdy. But it just goes to show you the levels to how it just kept getting worse and worse. It went from, okay, let's have a fun, competitive game in the NFC between the NFC's two best teams to, okay, Purdy's injured. He's probably not coming back. So Josh Johnson, let's just see if he's got three quarters of magic in here. Oh, uh, well, there's at least a touchdown drive. Let's let's hang hang on for a second. And then, no, he's going to go go fumble and then get concussed. And his head bounces off uh, the grass. And so now he just goes from, oh, you have a sliver of hope to, no, pack it in. Just, just hand it off and we'll see you next year. Uh, very frustrating that that game did not amount to anything. Yeah. Uh, we all did pick Philadelphia, but I just wanted to, you know, you wanted, wanted to see Purdy tested by that great Eagles right. defense. I and and I say this in jest. I you know I wanted a a fair game, and I'm I'm doing air quotes. I mean, obviously it's still a fair game. Nobody cheated, but a fair game because I wanted Purdy to stay healthy against against the Eagles, you know, and, and see what happens there. Not losing both quarterbacks and then Purdy comes in with probably you know a, an injured uh is it shoulder or elbow that they're looking elbow. at elbow is it elbow the UCL the UCL injured. yeah yeah that's right um and so yeah I mean it just it became again I I don't mean fair as in cheating but it became it's just it, that's just not fair that's right. kind of what it I mean, you don't even have your quarterback back there anymore that can throw the ball even remotely <laughs> throw the ball it's like I mean, this is just not even fair. Yeah. Yeah. And tough so to watch. It was tough to watch. I mean, if, if it could go wrong for the 49ers, it went wrong. And that's just unfortunate. Um, it, it, that happens in football. You just hate that it happened Injuries on one of the biggest man. stages. Um, hopefully, the Super Bowl will be a little bit less of Yeah. That. I mean,. Well, look, I mean, you had four, four quarterback injuries that essentially were season-ending for San Francisco because they had the Lance injury a couple weeks in. Right. That's what caused them to go back to Garoppolo. Things yep. were going okay with Garoppolo. He goes out. Yep. Then Brock Purdy magic is born from that. Okay, but then he goes down with what's obviously a significant injury. He would have missed most of, if not all, of the season with this injury. Right. And so that's your third quarterback. And then because it was the last game of the year, normally concussion is not season-ending, but it's the last game of the year. So Josh Johnson's season technically right. ended on the field due to injury. And so that's uh, – I mean, look, it all, it almost was very lucky for San Fran because they found Brock Purdy because of right. season-ending injuries. But the, the, the boomerang happened, and they went back to having uh, no fun because of the yeah. injuries. Yeah, I will say if, if the 49ers had somehow found a way to win that game, that would have been Kyle Shanahan's greatest coaching job of his career. Oh, Easily. I mean, and every and, player. And, and and, of, yeah, uh, yeah and, and probably a top five coaching job in NFL, in NFL history if you're able to even get a win out of that. If, yeah, but then what do you do in the Super Bowl? Then you maybe do the Wildcats. You do the wild, <laughs> you get game plan for with Christian McCaffrey under center. That's all you can do. That's all I, you got. I know, but in, in – that, that's kind of one of those things. I mean, if you're that coaching staff, secretively you get in a room and you're like, it's probably a good thing we didn't win that. Yeah. I mean, uh, and that, again, that's one of those just secretive things. If you're like, 
I mean, what in the hell would we have done in the yeah, Super Bowl? If we, didn't, we, didn't, we don't have a quarterback. What are you going to do, go out and sign Cam Newton to just play in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Shoot, yeah. probably would have got somebody, honestly. I don't, but, you see, I don't know if league you? rules. I was going to say, yeah, I, think I don't you know have if you to can. be either on your roster or your practice squad because otherwise you're not playoff eligible. Right. Ooh. So they would have had a uh, – if they had They'd another had practice squad quarterback, They would. that's all they would have had. <laughs> Um, so I, Could you I, imagine? Oh my gosh, dude! You're yeah. like on the practice squad, and all of a sudden you're you're fifth starting quarterback, in the Super Bowl. dude. You're starting I, I, in the Super Bowl. I will say oh this: even it, even though my rooting interest was more towards San Francisco, I, I'm still glad they did not win because I did not want to have to. You don't want to have a Super Bowl that ends up being a clunker. So no. uh, I am glad it transpired. Once everyone. <laughs> Everyone's season was over in the quarterback room of San Francisco. I'm glad they did not actually find a way to win that. We only have like a minute and a half left, so we'll talk uh, Kansas City and Cincinnati in the next hour. But uh, from the Eagles' perspective here, again, a uh, another culmination of a, of a great season from Jalen Hurts and from the Eagles. And again, this was the last team to lose a game this year. Uh, two of their three losses were with their backup quarterback. Uh, this team has been very, very good throughout the year. And, and so taking absolutely nothing away from them uh, no. for a, a dominating performance. Sure. Yeah, they, they played really well. Uh, I mean, that defense, you can tell. they The defense is the reason this game became so lopsided in the first place. Hassan Reddick went back there and just lived back there. I mean, just lived in the backfield um, and wreaked all kinds of havoc and <sighs> – you know, I don't know if that's testament to just how good that defensive line is, which is very, very talented, um, or maybe the offensive line of the San Francisco of the 49ers just wasn't as good. Um, I, I know he for for that fumble that he caused on Brock Purdy that did end up injuring him. There was a tight end on him, and that's how he got around so fast. It was the backup tight end. It wasn't even George Kittle. Um, so that that's something. Um, if you're the 49ers, you maybe don't want to do that, especially with somebody who's who had so many sacks in the season. Um, and I mean, they just, their defense showed through, uh, they were able to, um, pretty much shut the game down. I mean, the game got shut down for them pretty easily, but, uh, if you were the offense for, for the Eagles, you ran the ball for very well, uh, rushed for four touchdowns, um, I think broke the rushing touchdown record for a team, um, something like that. Uh, in, a, in one season, I think they had like 30, 39 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, which is, I mean, a whole bunch. So they, they played really well. So I'm, I'm glad that the Eagles in the Super Bowl should be a good one. And we will talk about their opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs, coming up in hour number two, as well as go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Again, sports call ending at the end of hour number two, but this is the end of hour number one, so one more hour of sports call yet to come. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. 
Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call today and also the final hour of Sports Call today. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Monday afternoon. Again, Borgard High School basketball coming up after this hour, so around 5 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. So one more hour to go here, so let's get right back to it. And let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line. Steve will be up in just a couple minutes, but before Retire Ward MC, we have... Keith from Auburn. Keith joins us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, outstanding, guys. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Um, I, I'll be real quick. I want a couple of things I wanted to touch base on. Uh, I wanted to start with, uh, I don't know if you guys have mentioned this yet on your show, uh, is the Stetson Bennett uh, debacle. Oh, uh, <laughs> we have not. Uh, but I, I don't know if you guys, I saw a, a video uh, of him uh, when the police arrived. And uh, i got to tell you what, uh, Stetson w- took off real quick into a dead sprint. And one of Dallas' finest, he took him down real quick. So I'm thinking maybe <laughs> uh, maybe he ought to be playing for the Cowboys on defense or something. Oh, that guy, yeah. I mean, it, it was the perfect form tackle. I was like, good gosh. Yeah. You know, SEC couldn't corral Stetson this year, but <laughs> one of Dallas' finest did. So uh, and I don't know what's going on there. I mean, good grief. Uh, nothing, nothing good happens after midnight, and uh, you know I think this was three or four or five in the morning, so yeah, yeah it wasn't wasn't good at all. But I just, you know, Georgia's got some things going on with with, with what happened earlier, and I hate that. Uh, I'm not going to elaborate on all that. Uh, you you just hate, you know, when when people lose their lives, it's 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 it's, it's terrible, and um, no matter whether you're right or wrong, it's terrible. Uh, the same goes for. Uh, up in Memphis as well, and I'll leave it at that. Um, but uh, the second thing I wanted to touch base on is Andy Reid. I mean, here he is going to play the Eagles in the Super Bowl. He's the Eagles' all-time winningest head coach, and he's one win away from being Kansas City's all-time winningest head coach. Is that not amazing? I mean, that's pretty doggone. Uh, yeah, the flat out coach, I reckon, and call plays. I, 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 you know, yeah, he's I, a great coach. I, again, we we talk about sometimes coaches just running their courses, not because they're not great coaches, but because sometimes a different voice is needed, and that's something that happened in Philadelphia. There was no disputing that he had 
a lot of successes with Donovan oh, yeah. McNabb and, and, and company in Philadelphia. And so Kansas City, you know, just, just after running its course in Philadelphia, they said, you know, this guy's been successful. He's taken them to a Super Bowl before in Philly, taking them to other yeah. NFC title games. We, we need to hire this guy. And obviously it helps that you got a guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes, but he, he was winning with Alex Smith before that, and uh, he's won with a lot of different quarterbacks, and he's certainly proven how good he is. Well, I think, uh, you know, at the end of that ball game, uh, when they were interviewing Patrick, uh, and I didn't know the whole ordeal prior to that with uh, somebody saying that Joe Burrow is Burrowhead. I didn't get into all that. But uh, I know Travis Kelsey came up. I had to rerun it to understand what he said. But he said, Burrowhead, this is my home's house. Yep. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was pretty neat. I don't know if you guys heard that or not. Yes, uh, sir. Yep. Bing. But anyway. I give I give Mahomes um, a lot of credit. I mean, he, him and Kelsey both, them two guys have got to be, you know, right there at the top with probably Brady and Brunkowski or Gronkowski, whatever his name is, it, with quarterback tight end duos. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, sure. yeah, for sure. Very, very impressive, uh, in, in, in what Patrick did on a bomb ankle. You know, uh, right. obviously pain, but you know, he he uh, he left it down the field and. We got the win, and that's what it's all about. So kudos to him. Uh, one last thing, and, and I'm gonna mention this, and I'll hang it up and get your guys comment on this as well. Uh, this whole whining and crying and acting like a fool on a basketball court that LeBron James is doing needs to quit. I mean, these are professional athletes. You don't get the call. You don't get the call. Was it a foul? Absolutely. But what? I mean, don't act like a fool out there on the court. I mean, I, it just it, it hurts the game. I mean, you'd think he'd be grown up enough, and y'all may be big LeBron fans, and he's one of the greatest ever. I mean, I'm not arguing with that. Uh, and then to go on uh, interview and say that uh, that the Lakers are the only uh, team that's getting bad calls down the stretch. I just don't buy that. But uh, I was just really disappointed in the way he – Handled himself. He's a professional. He should act like a professional. He shouldn't act like a seven-year-old out there whining and crying because he didn't make a shot and somebody fouled him. And I'll uh, I'll hang up, guys, and get, get your comments. Uh, y'all keep up the great work. I always enjoy listening. Yes, sir. Yes, Appreciate sir. the phone call as always, Keith. That's uh, Keith from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone call. Yeah, I was going to get into a little bit of that a little bit later on the worst, the best, and worst of the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know. The, the the whole it's it's complicated it's this, this is something that yeah. you could take either side of oh, honestly yeah. here because a as keith point out it was a foul uh the lakers got screwed at the end of that game very much so. uh, even the the foul that they called on beverly was really not a foul nope. uh before that this has been boiling for the lakers for a couple weeks because yeah. they've had a string of, of bad luck calls like here uh in three or four different games now uh on the other side of it i don't know what yeah, as funny as the Beverly thing was, because that was stupidly that was, funny. That was hilarious. I don't know what any of that actually achieves at the end of the day. I mean, they're obviously frustrated, and they would, and they voiced it on in the post game press conference. They yeah. voiced it on social media. Uh, they they voiced it in every way they could: actions, yep. words, either way, they voiced it, and they have to voice it to a degree. But I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Cam, of, of LeBron in particular for Keith there? And just, I mean, what, you, what do you do when you get 
a, a bad call that changes a game like that? Like, what's what's the way you would go about it? You know, I think I think you're right. You know, you're not sure when it, when you're thinking about what it truly does achieve because they're gonna they're gonna look back at the film. They're gonna see that they made the mistake and they're gonna adjust. That's that that the referees. I mean, they watch every game after they call it if if i'm correct yeah I, well and obviously you got the third party right, there, there twitter exactly. account tweeting out yeah they yeah, were wrong it, but exactly and so the mistake uh, they're human you get it but at the same time it, i mean it's kind of the same around the, the entire league not just the lakers i mean at the in, in late game stretches the refs do tend to swallow their whistle and kind of let things go. Let them play. Yeah, yeah. And, and let them play. I mean, obviously, you can't let a, you can't a let a hack on the shooting yeah, I mean, arm you go. You can't I, let yeah. that go, yeah. right? You can't. But but they just do like t- you can't let the the roughing the the quarterback right. go you at the, the end when there's two right. steps out of bounds. Exactly. Yeah. You can't we just you can't let stuff yet. like <laughs> you can't let stuff like that go. But and and that that was a literal game changing play because the clock hit zero. And Lamar, LeBron missed that shot. And, I mean, you know, you can say, well, he might have missed the free throws. Da, 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 da. I, it's he, not the he, point. Yeah, it's not the, it's point, not the point, right? Yeah. You, you got to give him the foul because he got fouled. He got clearly hit on the arm. So I, I get it. it. It's just NBA players have had a problem with referees in recent, I, I would say, a lot more in the last – I don't know what do you think like two three seasons really it's been a lot more uh, yeah i mean i i think it's ever increasing though, yeah 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 i mean i can think i mean this is what i wanted to get like i said i'm trying not to go too far into right it with <laughs> the get, best and worst of the weekend i get you but certainly look this is an age where everything is seen yep it's seen over and over again you miss a call in the 80s or 90s uh, maybe it gets played again, but it's not readily available 10 no. seconds after it happens. Nope. Um, and, and so bad calls are not scrutinized as much 20, 30 years ago. Uh, there also are not as many ways to express frustration. I mean, right. you did a lot more things behind the scenes yeah, when you were frustrated yeah. back then. Now, again, players go, not it's only not only is it on the court, it's in the press conference, and it's on a social, social media. media account. Yep. And so everything... Is just amplified in this age where everything is available to everyone at almost all times, you know? And so it's just, it's a part of a bigger picture, uh, picture, honestly, with society here. And and so, you know, it's very tough for me to, to say, you know, where the proper amount of public criticism should lie from the players and from fans and all of that because when I'm you sure miss, they're going to eat a couple fines, right? Yeah, I mean they're going to get fined, and then it's going to look like the NBA is covering their own boys, <laughs> and the the players are now wanting the referees to get fined, and it's it's <laughs> so. And I'll have more on that in a second, yeah, but it's right, just right, right. It, it, it is a very it's not a tenable situation in the terms of. Everyone being satisfied at the end right, of the day. Yeah. No Nobody's one will ever be satisfied no. with referees. I agree. Uh, and, and now that the players are showing maybe increased levels of frustration and, and disrespect in some you know circles, I mean, it is it's not a situation that is on the tracks to improve. Um, and, and so I, I'm just 
again it's a rocky road yeah it is a rocky road and not the ice cream and and (laughs) (laughs) it it, i will again i'll save a couple more comments for best and worst of the weekend we do need to get to our next phone call here on the uh well Tom, you want, yeah well, I, was, I was just gonna say real, since we had been talking about it in cam i know you saw it on twitter but adam schefter saying that brock purdy does have a torn ucl yeah, is out, yeah. six is months. out for six months and we'll have uh, discussions on that too and what it could mean for the 49ers all off season long but again let's go back to our auburn bank phone line next up on the program today ward damn steve retired ward damn steve joins us steve how are you doing I'm just doing really good, guys, and I appreciate you giving me the remainder of the uh, uh, time left on the radio show. Uh, something like that, Sorry, but sir. not quite, yeah. <laughs> All right. I hope you guys had a uh, relaxing, entertaining uh, weekend in sports. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, was, I was down in your neck of the woods this weekend, down in Mobile oh. for Mardi Gras ball. Okay. Uh, you actually uh, survived it, uh, and you remember it? Oh, yeah. So, well, the thing <laughs> is... I've been to Mardi Gras balls, Tom... Uh, I've been uh, what do they call the uh, where you watch the uh, the, the drunken uh, float uh, people coming uh, you know and they're falling down and slipping and whatever. So you, did you enjoy that part? Well, so so the group that I was with, they there's no parade. They just do a uh, they they do their what they call tableau at the uh, Mobile Civic Center. Yeah, that's where I see them coming in drunk and they're falling down. <laughs> well, they, uh, this. I, maybe this one's different. I mean, there, there's definitely alcohol being consumed, but I, I never saw any just drunken falling down. Uh, I was certainly not drunken and falling down. Uh, it's just more of a formal event, and uh, everybody kind of behaves themselves. But maybe that's maybe this one's different than some of the others. Yeah, it sounds like yours was boring then. Okay. <laughs> it's still it's still a lot of fun. It was just uh, it it was not a uh, it was not a crap show if you catch my drift. Okay, well, I'm glad you had a good time. All right, so, guys, let's go with the, uh, uh, the fun stuff. Uh, since James had a uh, trivia uh, question for you, uh, I've got one for you. All right. Here we go. Uh, who said the following? I don't think we have any cigars, but we'll be ready for the Super Bowl. Oh, probably a Kansas City player. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes, okay. Yeah, yeah. then who comes right next to him during the interview at the postgame? Uh, it's uh, Mr. Was it Kelsey, is that right? Yep, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I loved it, the Burrow head, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, about that game, guys, there were several parts of it that I said, wow, this officiating you know, is getting crazy. Uh, I, 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 there's a great, I think, too much subjectivity going on um, by the refs uh, with these calls, and some of them, to be done with. Uh, I think they'll do away with uh, what they call taunting because they called it on Chris Jones, I believe, uh, close to the end of the game. Remember that one when they uh, had stopped uh, Burrow and they stopped uh, uh, the team from making uh, first down? And he goes over uh, around the, uh, <clears throat> the Cincinnati player and raises his hands. Oh, Did I thought. See that? I thought and the one. They call taunting foul on it. They call it uh, taunting. I thought the one they called. No, I thought the one they called was on when Kansas City was on offense, and, and the offensive lineman went up to the Bengals player. It was that they made a first down on that play, and they still got the first down, but they moved back fifteen yards. I thought that was a Kansas City offensive play. Was that what? Well, okay, I thought it was. Um, I, 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 I do know there was a very weak taunting call on Kansas City, but it was when they were on offense. Maybe that's what it is. But I say taunting, really? Now, if you get in somebody's face, you know, or you uh, 
climb the bird, you know, or you use profanity, okay, but good gosh. Right. Um, those kind of, and when they occur, they have a definite impact on the outcome of the game. Uh, but there was two instances that I thought uh, definitely uh, led to the, uh, the the outcome, and I was pulling for Kansas City, and that was the run by Patrick Holmes at the end of the game with, what, 20 seconds left to be pushed out of bounds? Yep. Okay. And then what about those two third-down replays that Kansas City was given, right? Yeah. I. I just don't understand that they they tried many ways to explain it. I think you well, get show referee at um, on one part of season interrupting. They showed in a little circle that the referee was coming from uh, the from very the back. Line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, so I guess he had, he had stopped the, the play, right? Yeah, but you you've got to do way more than that because yeah, you got to really not only did we never hear a whistle, play. no one else moved. And he kind of stopped. Like he, after he moved, he backed off, and the play started. He just stopped and then started to referee the play. And it's like, no, if the play's being shut down, you've got to move Earth to stop that play. You've got to, you've got to make it very it obvious because not a single soul, player or other referee, knew that play was shut down when it was happening. I mean, that was that was not one of the oh they actually called false start and and the play cuz uh, continued for a few players anyway. No, every single play player played that play normally including every other referee. And I'm sorry, but but that guy's got to do a way better job uh, of of making it very obvious that this play is being shut down. Yeah, I I thought that was a head scratcher there. All right. Uh, so move you all guys, you seen the lines for the uh, Super Bowl? I have not. Yeah, me either. Uh, what would you think Vegas has made the line? Um, Probably. I cheated and looked as you asked that question, uh, so I'm me, no I'm, longer I'm going to guess, though. I'm going to guess, though. I'm going to say Eagles. I'm going to say Eagles five and a half. Ooh. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a little high. I was going to say, I think Eagles actually, three. It was picket when it opened up. Now it's gone to uh, the Eagles being a minus two or two and a half. Two. two. Yep. Mm. yep. That's what I'm thinking is three. What do you guys think? Uh, can uh, Mahomes and Kansas City pull it off? Oh, yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. It really can. depends on some of these injuries. If they come back and they're able to be healthy, because, you know, Mahomes is only – they only had like two receivers left on the roster by the end of that game. Legereus Sneed got hurt. I don't even know if he came back. Um, so, I mean, Mahomes himself has that ankle injury. So, uh, they're, they're and beat what about up. Kelsey? They said he had muscle spasms. Yeah, back, Kel- Kelsey had back spasm, but he looked like he was fine. Yeah, so. he looked fine. He, yeah, he, he, he looked fine. fine. Yeah. Kadarius Tony definitely had an awkward fall. I thought he might have hurt something in his knee the way that he kind of like just fell. It was it was very awkward and weird uh, the way he went down. So that ankle injury is something to watch for, one of your more dynamic players. Uh, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a great game. Um he usually busts out for a 100-yard game every once in a while, and this was a clutch time to do it. You kind of needed him. Um, so it'll be – and you, you still have Sky Moore, so it'll be interesting to see. But not having Miko Hardman, not having Kadarius Tony, not having Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, that, that's, that cuts out a, a decent amount of your wide receiver core. So any of those receivers are going to be available for playing time or not? I, I'm not sure. I mean, they have a couple weeks to heal up, so um, I'm sure – you know, maybe two or three of them will be able, or maybe all of them will be able to get off the injury report. Um, so we'll just see. All right. So moving on to uh, our uh, fiasco of the game Saturday. And, you know, I told you guys I was going to not try to take it so uh, passionately. Well, uh, I uh, saw a bit of the first half 
and it, it was a, a torture, so I cut it off. <laughs> uh, and I said, you know, I'm not going to put myself through this. You know, the, the team wasn't prepared. And so then, about maybe seven or eight minutes left in the game uh, at that time, I said, let me go, let me turn it on and see how bad it's gotten, you know, because uh, it was 17 point deficit to half, right? Well, as usual, it's typical for me anyway, uh, Auburn gives me hope. They're down 71 to 70. Hmm. I said, oh my gosh, I said, they might pull this game out. But, you know, it's typical. Auburn. At least for me, my experience is they'll give you hope and then they tear your heart out. Yeah. They couldn't make a free throw if I'd have paid them, you know, more uh, to make it. And they couldn't tie it, couldn't go ahead. Uh, and then they couldn't stop this guy, which I want to ask you about, guys, because it may be my cherry picking here, uh, Mr. Stevenson. Now, I was at the stats, and if he had only, instead of going 7 out of 10, which is outrageous, if he'd only made 5 out of 10, we probably would have won the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. If you, yeah, if he doesn't go off for thirty-one, Auburn probably wins that game. If well, he scores twenty-five, Auburn wins that well, game. And well, also because just because it was the timeliness of it, it wasn't just first half stuff no. there. Yeah, he. I, I'm looking again at the box here. It was seventy-one to seventy with two minutes left. He hits he a three to go up seventy-four seventy. There was one before that. Auburn had cut it to sixty-eight sixty-seven coming out of the final media timeout. He hit a three. Uh, with 3.40 left. So two of his threes were in the final four minutes of the game. So, yeah, absolutely. You take those two away, that changes the way the final four minutes were played. Yeah, and he made that one that brought it back to, I think, three or four-point difference. Uh, right at the corner, I said, there's no way you'll make this. Yeah. Because it was being contested. Yeah, he was like – And he's falling back. Yeah. <laughs> shoot or shoot, man. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, he's just he's, – he's, he's a player. He's a baller. I mean – So i got to ask you guys this. You know, again, maybe my – Figures. I don't watch other teams. However, it seems to me uh, just a continuous pattern that there'll be guys, one player from our opponent that we're playing who didn't do squat in the previous games, and all of a sudden, you know, he plays uh, out of his mind. But maybe that may be my selective, you know, uh, recalling. But it seems to be a player that does that, you know, uh, you know, repeatedly against Auburn when we played them. It's usually the team's leading scorer. Yeah, yeah so, it, I mean, look, 30 is always going to be well above their average, even if it is their best player. But it is usually these, these teams' best player. Like G.G. Jackson, when he did it for South Carolina, even though it was inconsequential in that game, he's by far South Carolina's best player. Tyrese Radford is one of Texas A&M's two best players. Coming into the West Virginia game, Eric Stevenson, although it was very jumbled, Eric Steven was technically their leading scorer coming into the game. So it is not like these performances are are completely impossible and, and out of left field for guys that just never score. It's just obviously that they are multiplied by, okay, these guys are averaging 14 or 15 a game. Here comes their 30-point game for the year and that yep. sort of thing. Well, that's what I'm talking about. It seems like you know these people that you mentioned, because I'll read uh, in the past two or three games, they've done nothing. And then, bam, they come to play Auburn, and it's like, damn, they should be playing the NBA. Right. Auburn's having trouble. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Auburn is having trouble with the guarding the, the other team's guys. best player, and it, particularly with guards and perimeter players. They're having trouble with penetration, and they're having trouble. In this case, they had trouble with si the size of Stevenson being a 6'3 or 6'4 guard. So I was just going to ask you, kind of answer, what, you know, what is going on in the scouting when they know these players are darn good, you know, What's the plan? You know, because if this continues, we're, we're going to get killed. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think they're very aware. I just think these guys are are beating Auburn's guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's just as simple as, uh, you know, I I would like for them to play is more. There no z- remedy. I mean, excuse me, is there no remedy to this? I mean, it's just that's the way it is. I, I think they can try different things. I, one of the things I'd like them to try is I would like them to play more zone. Zone. Um, I, I, they could try boxing one if there's a guy that is really going off on them. Usually, you save boxing one for someone that's really awesome. But I, I think and they need Stevenson to be kept getting open. Right. I think they need to be more adaptable to guys in game. If they see Eric Stevenson, who they know is still one of their best players off to a 15- or 20-point first half, I think they need to, to throw a different look at them uh, in the second half. So I think they need to be uh, more pliable in these second halves, more willing to adjust. But to be fair, uh, they have adjusted to the rest of the team. I mean, they, they gave up 35 in the second half compared to 40-something in the first half. They did mm-hmm. the same thing against A&M where they, where they did play zone in the second half, and it did shut them down. A&M only hit like two out of ten threes in the second half of that game. So they have, to be fair, played better in these second halves. They've got to figure out a way to be a little bit more adaptable, I guess, in the first half now that we, we talk this out and try and prevent these Runs from starting, and that's what I'm wondering about, guys. You know, uh, we played great because I thought we outscored them 48 to 35, but there was such in a big hole they couldn't get out of it. Yep, not I'm quite. Yeah. So what is it about the first half? You know, why can't they be consistent? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's just, something they're going to have to to figure out. I mean, they, they game plan just isn't working. E- even in the A and M game, when they get out to a 10-2 lead, everyone's very excitable in Neville Arena. And then A and M just goes and hits like five or six threes on them, uh, you know, just just after that. So uh, I I don't know. I don't really think it's an energy thing. I just think they've got to figure out how to keep one guy from just really leading a charge early in a game. Okay, well, sticking with our remaining games, guys. Uh, the uh, team, uh, not team rankings, but um, our RPI people, uh, they have the remaining uh, game predictions uh, and. They have us going five and five. Yeah, Guys, what do you think of that? I mean, that that Not sounds realistic. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right because I mean, Auburn's got two with Alabama and Tennessee, so those are all four going to be tough no matter where they're played. They've got an at Kentucky and at Texas A&M. Uh, I, I, I think they're going to beat Vandy on the road. I think they're going to beat Ole Miss at home. I still love their chances against Georgia on Wednesday. Missouri. Uh, Missouri's at home. That's a game that if it was at I Missouri, you would be very concerned yeah. about. But at home, you'd probably favor Auburn by a point or two. That's so, four right so, there. And then if you get the upset over one of these that are just right. like – Beat Bama or Tennessee yeah. at home on the home version yeah. or then something like that. there's your five. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, it makes well, sense. The shocker that they picked uh, as a win, we just said, "Wow, that uh, was a lot." They have uh, these uh, uh, team ranks. They have us uh, actually winning at home in the last game against Tennessee, yeah. but they have us mm-hmm. losing to Vanderbilt. No, oh. interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> I, I, know. I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know how they come up with these yeah, things. I, I, I really don't. Uh, I, I feel confident in Auburn basketball against everybody except Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky, and A and M. All those other okay. games, all those other games, I feel perfectly comfortable with Auburn. Yeah. Those other teams that I mentioned are just flat better than Auburn right now. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Those teams are better than Auburn. Those are going to have to be Auburn with a major upset. Against one of those teams, and Tom, I thought about you again. You were on mine Saturday. 
Uh-huh. And you don't mind because of what happened to Alabama. Yeah. Now, you know, I know there's such a term, you know, in, uh, in golf as a mulligan, right? Yeah, I saw and, I saw uh, the 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 you know, they're, they're posters mulligan, I guess. gave a mulligan. Yeah, uh, but how do you give a mulligan to Alabama that not only loses to an unranked team, but gets, as I would say, taken to the woodshed? I, yeah, that's that's my only thing with giving Alabama a quote unquote mulligan on that is the fact that they just got blasted. And, and I'll tell you, and it could have worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'll tell you this. And, you know, I told you I was down in Mobile. Uh, I went and uh, uh, my girlfriend and, and her friends, who were down there with her friends, so she was kind of off with them doing their thing. I was by myself. And I went and sat down at, uh, at Wetzel's, uh, get me some seafood for lunch, looked up to the TV, and I saw the halftime score of that Bama game. And I, and I was like, oh, I, th- I thought my gosh. eyes were messing up. I was like, there's, there's absolutely no way Oklahoma's whipping Alabama like that Beat at halftime. through and through. And, and then they just kept on doing it. I don't give Alabama a mulligan over that. If if they lost in a buzzer beater, or just you know a couple of free throws down lost, the stretch, if I, lost I get by it. Three points like us. Sure, I'll give them a mulligan on that. A, a three point loss on but the road and everything. Drop, no, you they only get, get dropped by two by two, uh, you know, rankings. Uh, I say, come on! I thought they'd be dropped, maybe still in the top ten, but not just number four. And if you ask, well, Steve, who who's better to be put ahead of? I'll tell you who I would put ahead of them: Arizona. Them. Well, well, Steve, what I can tell you is the reason that Alabama is still getting the hype they are, even despite that just absolute woodshed blowout loss in, is the teams that they have beaten. And that's what the pollsters look at. They're like, we know this team is good. We know they have one of the best players in all of college basketball on that roster right now. And they have shown that they can beat the best of the best. So that's why Alabama is still going to be ranked because they've proven it. Last thing for us, Steve, then we got to let you okay. go. Okay. All right. So about Mr. Bennett. Stetson Bennett, okay. I read about what happened to him. At around <laughs> 6 30 in the morning in the Dallas area, he went rock, knocking around uh, a neighborhood, uh, people's doors, and yelling at them. And according to eyewitnesses, after the police were called, he was telling them that he was the mayor of Houston. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's now, been on one for like since they won the national championship, and you know what? More power to Stetson. Just gee, do my thing, Neil, man. are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> just. Okay. All right, and maybe we we'll talk about this tomorrow, guys. But uh, this is a head question. I wonder. Um, you know, we had an uh, outstanding from what everything I read on two forty seven about Junior uh, recruiting day on yeah. the weekend, right? Yeah, I had a whole bunch right. of people here. But we're still looking maybe for a possible quarterback, right? Yes, I, I think you'll figure that out after. Everybody gets done with spring practices. And well, I, how about this, guys? Why didn't maybe they consider going after this guy? I'm just reading this from the spun. I'm sorry, from the comeback. Former five-star quarterback makes big transfer move. Uh, he was a former Washington quarterback. Sam Hewitt. Hewitt. Yeah. yeah. Brock Hewitt's well, kid. Do you know who he committed to? Cal Poly. Cal Poly. I said, oh, my God. It's not even a, um, a power five, are they? No, that Cal Poly is definitely not a power five. He's following a coach there, though. Um, yeah, I know. But come on. I mean, nobody from a power five, a group of five. Thought, do you know what his ranking was in 2021? I'll read it for you. He was a five-star. Number three, number three quarterback in the country. Yeah. And the number 12, 12, number 12 overall prospect in the country. And he goes to Cal Poly. How come Freeze didn't go after him, maybe, as a, as a one-year replacement? Uh, 
gosh, Amati. What are you doing as a five-star quarterback and you go to Cal Poly? Well, I mean, if, if he went to Cal Poly to go follow a coach, that kind of leads me to believe that that was his plan all along. Okay. But a five-star quarterback, that's a heck of a steal by Cal Poly. Yeah, well, Deion Sanders so, got, got a couple of five-stars to go to uh, an HBCU, which was unheard of. Yeah, I also uh, read where uh, Coach Saban turned down two two five-star players because they were wanting, according to the report I read, over a million dollars in IL money. Did you read about that? I, I've seen I that. Did see that, and yeah. one of the players wanted uh, wanted Saban to help get his girlfriend into law school at Alabama. Oh, I, okay, enough there. All right, guys, thank you for your time. I know my time is up. Hope the uh, the basketball team can pull out one tonight. So until tomorrow, you'll have a relaxing, entertaining evening. Thank you for letting me rambling, and uh, talk to you tomorrow. War Eagle until then. War Eagle, Steve. That's retired Ward AMC joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Looks like we had one call drop here, so let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Terry from Auburn. Terry joins us now. Terry, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good afternoon to y'all. Doing Good well. afternoon. Good. Um, don't y'all, where do you guys stand on the people, including Steve, that you just heard from? I ain't going to pull for Auburn if they hire Hugh Freeze. Yeah, Hugh Freeze is clearly busting his rear end to make Auburn better. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I, is, it, is, it, is it kind of like the Donald Trump people that said they were going to leave the country if he got elected? Well, he got elected, served four years, he's been out of office for two years, they're still here. I, I, I'm not going to get into the Trump comparisons or anything like that. All I, know, all I know is with you, Freeze, there's a lot of people, there were a lot of people that were completely cautious. not on board, yeah. and there's some people that were cautious. I was a cautious one. Uh, I love what he's doing, uh, and I said it from the get-go. I, I like to hire, but I'm going to do it with cautious um, skepticism, and I just hope he does a great job and keeps his nose clean. There are some people that were just not on board, and they just will not be on board, and I guess that's their prerogative. No, they won't be on board until they reach Georgia or Alabama, if not both. Uh, yeah, well. Then they'll get on board. Yeah, winning tends to do that. Yeah, that does. It does. I mean, winning cures all. Let's, let's, be, let's be totally honest. I want to switch to basketball real quick here. Um, you guys were talking about, and that was a great point. I think that was Ryan that said that. Um, the, the, I think Auburn's uh, lack of size at the guard position is a real problem. And and I've never seen a more selfish player than Wendell Green. Now, I know what everybody's going to say. Well, we'd be, you know, nine or ten losses without it. We're probably, we're probably right. But I tell you what you mean if you had a true point guard, probably a little better. Probably a little better at this point in the year. He, you know, him passing the ball, he's not He's not going to pass the ball, guys. He's going to heave up a 26- or 27-foot jump shot as he crosses midcourt. That's the way he likes to play. He's that essential guy in the front in the front of the driveway playing one on one with his neighbor. Uh, he's trying to make the top ten ESPN highlights at night. That, that's that's just who he is. And the lack of size, the fact that he's only what five nine, five ten, something like that. Yeah, five ten. Yeah, that, five ten. That's a problem. That's a problem, guys. And it, it ain't it ain't stopping here. It's going to get worse. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely the defensive aspect of it. I mean, you know, he's not going to grow three inches overnight. He's not going to get fifteen pounds more muscle. So he's. There's always going to be matchups that are that are if they're bigger players that are also athletic. They're they're obviously giving him trouble. Uh, the the offensive aspect of it, though, I mean, he is third in the SEC in assists. So I I don't think it's you know I, I, I know he takes a lot of shots, but also there's not a lot of guys on this team that are, are infinitely better offensive players than, than Wendell Green Jr. I think he's being asked to serve 
in a role that that it demands him have the ball a lot of the time and take a lot of the shots and that sort of thing. He still d- distributes it at times. He had a double digit assist game uh, the other night, uh, two or two games ago, excuse me. So uh, you know, I, I think there's definitely he's not a perfect player, and if he's the best player on a team, then that means. Uh, then you don't have a, a go-to guy, which is what exactly what Auburn has. Um, they, they do not have a go-to guy. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that, that there are definitely inconsistent and poor performances from him, but I also think he's being asked to achieve a role that that, that, that no one else on this team is able to fill really either. Yeah, because I don't have a problem with shooting the balls early. I have a problem with his shot selection. Sure, and now, and now he does take That's, some really bad threes. That uh, is fair. Uh, you know, he takes those heat check uh, 28 30 footers that you should only take if you've made three or four in a row and you're in transition but yeah. uh and he'll take them without having made one i agree that and that's why his percentage is very poor from three because he does not have in general a good shot selection he can make him when he's open but if he's taking 26 foot step backs when he's not made any yet i mean yeah that's that's a killer and i tell you something too guys this is where the injury to chance westry is showing because I think Bruce Pearl was counting him a little bit at the guard position to play. And he gives him a little bit of size there. What, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guy? Yeah, 6'5", yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I think this, I think that's a part of it. I really do. And, I mean, well, and, uh, everybody keeps saying Auburn's a great defensive team. No, they are not. They're a solid defensive team. They're good and solid, but they're not great. Because if you're great, you don't let teams get out to a big lead like that because you know your offense can't, can't, can't overcome them. And how many teams have we got to play that has, like, the hottest player in the country <laughs> This week yeah. it was Eric Stevenson. Last week it was a guy from Texas A&M. Yeah. I mean, it, it just seems to be happening, and that bothers me, guys. Yeah. yeah. It, three, it's three, three, yeah. Three teams in a row have had a guy go over 30 on Auburn. Yeah. And Eric Stevenson, the guy for West Virginia, was that the guy from South Carolina that was yes. down yes. to Auburn? And South, that yes. was him? Okay. Yep. It was. And, well, and Auburn, tri- Auburn, Auburn tried, tried to, get, to get him in the portal, too. Auburn was one of six or seven schools that were finalists for him in the portal. Interesting. Very interesting. Yep. Yeah. Well, the the, the schedule definitely toughens up. We'll, we'll see that. Very yeah, very so. tough February yeah. March. Yep. Sure, appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. That is Terry from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're down to just two or three minutes left here in the show, so we are taking no commercial break here. We're just going <laughs> to power through the last Flying few minutes. Uh, we don't even have a, a time for best and worst of the weekend, unfortunately, too, uh, j- with just a couple minutes left. But, uh, you know, to Terry's point, as something that we had talked about a, a little bit earlier, uh, Tom, you've mentioned it. Uh, it's not that inherently one of these past losses is awful and unforgivable, but it's comparing them to the games to come that are okay. You you don't like losing Auburn or you don't like losing to to A and M at home. Well, now you still got to go play them on the road. Right. You don't anticipate a better result. It is easier to play a team at home than on the road. Very much so. Uh, you have a situation where, all right, you lost to a West Virginia team on the road. Inherently, that's not awful. They're going to end up being in the tournament. They keep this up. They were last four in coming into the Auburn game. Now they're in the four buys. I mean, they're, they're moving up the charts there. However... That's still probably a little bit more doable than at Kentucky, for for instance. Yep. So you're you're going to have slightly more difficult versions of the games that Auburn has already lost in the previous week, and so there's got to be improvement. Now, basketball teams improve. I would tell you the team that I just mentioned with A and M. A and M improved a lot so far Very this year. They so. were eight and five in the non-con. They've lost one singular time in conference play. Uh, so so they're obviously a changed team, but nevertheless. At some point, you got to get better. Auburn last year did not get better. They nope. peaked in January. Right. They were awesome. I mean, they were the best team in the country for the first 20 games of the year. 
They lost to Arkansas. They lost the second game. They started leaking. They never stopped leaking yeah. the, the, the rest of the year. And yeah. so this team has got to find a way to solve one or two issues. They're a good defensive team. They're not a great defensive team. They have moments of offensive competence, but they're too oftentimes a little stuck in the mud on offense. And look, you get the guard play that you talked about too, Tom. You got to find more. You just got to be steady in the backcourt, especially when you're having these 30 point performances against you. Well, that and the 30 point performance is what kind of that scares me because you're about to go up against teams that have quote unquote best players that are capable of dropping 30 on you that are better than the guys that have been dropping 30 on Auburn. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm like Miller from Alabama and. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, who goodness is, gracious. I, I mean, if, if, the, if these them. other dudes are dropping 30 on Auburn, what the heck is Miller going to do to them? That dude right. might drop 50. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Miller, Miller, it's definitely going to – If you can't stop him. I, I mean, honestly, I would literally do boxing one and stick – but they're, they they have more than just Brandon Miller. Right. No, yeah. I, I, but he's partial. just, he's but just if their you're, main But if you're guy, thinking yeah. Miller, then you need to go boxing one and either put Alan Flanagan or Zepp Jasper on him. And I would probably go Flanagan just because right. of how tall uh, Miller is, you know, Zepp is tenacious, like I said, with when it how I described Wendell as well, and he's extremely pesky and a very very good on ball def- defender. Um, but he's just gonna be too small yeah. against Brandon Miller, who's six ten. It's it'd be yeah, and, literally like guarding. And, and that, but then that's just him, you know, Oscar Sheboy, who's who's. What is he going to do? What, yeah, I, I think Janai might be able to handle that assignment. Maybe. You know, I think that'll be that. I mean, that's going to be his assignment to draw. Right? Tennessee, who Tennessee's best guy? It's um. <laughs> I was gonna say it could be a little bit of everybody, but when, I mean they right. you know they've got they've got a couple of guys that are capable of dropping thirty sure. on you. And they have probably arguably the best defense in the country. One if yeah. top top three, top four. Last sure. few moments left of the show here, time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. College basketball tonight, number six, Virginia at Syracuse, 6 o'clock on ESPN. That is going to be a low-scoring game, my friends. Virginia's great defense, Syracuse zone. Uh, I'll go 55-50 to type of Virginia game in that one. Women's college basketball, number three, LSU, hosts Tennessee on ESPN2 at 6. You've got Norfolk State and uh, North Carolina Central at 6 o'clock on ESPNU. And then a couple movie picks for you, 5.30 on Freeform, National Treasure 2. Please make a third one. And then that's not hmm. the name of the movie. I just would like them to make another National Treasure. And then 6.30 on TNT, it's Avengers Endgame. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Art Seltzer. Again, this was a shortened version of Sports Call. Borgard High School basketball coming up in just a few moments with Tim Sim and the guys. Uh, again, just in a few minutes. And so that's why we're getting off air right now. Tom, appreciate you being here today, and we'll see you tomorrow. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And uh, Cam, appreciate being here. We'll see you towards the end of the week. Yes, sir. And uh, we, again, thank all those who tuned in and called in in this, again, abbreviated edition of Sports Call 4. Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Stay tuned. Borgard High School basketball coming up. We will talk to you tomorrow.